units. Headquarters to all units. All units, stand by for On Patrol with the PPD. Airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television and now available on all of your popular podcast platforms. Today is Friday, March 11th, 2022. My name is Mike Wynn. I'm the Chief of Police here in the city of Pittsfield. I am also one of the co-hosts and co-producers of this purportedly weekly radio program. And uh, we're starting a couple minutes late. Uh, the pothole situation between my house and the studio is horrendous um and i would have made it but other drivers were actually behaving responsibly and driving safely so i was behind them um let's start with a check of the weather we'll talk about some news items and then i'm very excited to introduce a special guest and we'll get back to the program for forecast from berkshireweather.com for friday march 11th greetings today Mostly cloudy, with a high of 47. Tonight, cloudy, a low of 34, with rain or snow late. Tomorrow, cloudy and windy, a high of 37, with rain and snow. That's your latest WTBR forecast. For more weather forecasts and education, go to BerkshireWeather.com. I'm Jacob Klein for WTBR, and I hope you all have an amazing day. Cheers, everyone. Jacob's just killing it with the weather forecasts. We uh, we had a um, interesting conversation at the station the other day about some travel. It would have been, I guess, Tuesday into Wednesday. I'm gonna send the link for Jacob's weather forecast to my counterpart, Director Morales. I just I think DPS needs a more hyper local weather forecast just just saying um newsworthy stuff I, I i don't think that we can ignore it right the the top of the news headlines for the last several weeks has been the situation in ukraine um it's deteriorating it's not getting better i'm not even going to get into any details about that and then the one significant news article that's kind of public safety related is that we just recently learned that there is a, another candidate throwing his hat into the ring in the district attorney's race. Uh, attorney Timothy Chagru has declared his candidacy. Uh, so now there's a runoff for the uh, Democratic position and an undeclared candidate enrolled. So. There'd be a vigorous campaign for that position before the end of the year. In other news, uh, PPD-specific and PPD-worthy, um, we got a team, I think they're on the road as we speak, headed down to Trenton, Connecticut to bring back a shooting suspect in a recent uh, crime here in the city of Pittsfield. Somebody asked me a question about that the other day, and that's actually one of the things um, in the last decade-plus that I'm the most proud of. The Pittsfield Police Department rarely lets, lets, what did I say? Oh, I'm sorry. Trenton, New Jersey. My apologies. Thank you, Captain. Um, uh, we rarely let another agency transport our fugitives for us. If they are within our striking distance, we will send people to go get them. So we have a team headed down there today to transport the fugitive back. And they actually, it's a, it's a significant team because not only do they have to bring the fugitive back, they have to bring the 
car that the fugitive fled back as well. So we've got a pretty good operation going today. Uh, safe travels to those officers. I am joined in studio this morning by Lieutenant Matthew Hill, who is running the board. Good morning, Lieutenant. Good morning. How are you? Not bad today. Lieutenant Hill has taken on an additional role. He is uh, now the lead in recruiting and securing the talent. So well done, Lieutenant. Thank you. Got like a month's worth of, of guests out there for me that's unheard of in the history of this show. No disrespect to your predecessor, Captain Gary Traversa. You've had a lot going on for the last couple of years, Captain. So how are you today? I'm good. Is this mic on? <laughs> it's not. <laughs> yeah, doing and, well. <clears throat> good. Glad to hear it. And we are joined in studio this morning by Mr. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mispronounce this. Elliot Greenblatt. Green. And this is, I'm excited about this show. This is uh, this took a little while to kind of arrange, but Mr. Greenblatt. Um, is the author of a regular column in the Berkshire Eagle about safety and security um, regarding scams, basically, uh, financial safety on behalf of the AARP. And he reached out for my office several months ago now to see if we could help him spread his message. And uh, I have to take ownership of this. I simply forwarded it to the community engagement team and said, here, somebody do this. Uh, and between the community engagement team and the safety program, none of us did anything with it. It was just like a hot potato. And so or a couple weeks ago, I dusted off that email and said, somebody please reach out for this gentleman. And the lieutenant took the bull by the horns and decided that it would be no time like the present to get Mr. Greenblatt on the radio. So he's here this morning. Good morning and welcome, sir. Thank you. It's, uh, I, I'd like to say it's a pleasure to be here, but uh, you know the topic is not very pleasant. So I'm glad to be able to talk to you folks today. And you did not have a short commute. Uh, hour and a half. You made it here on time, and you traveled an hour and a half. I was a minute late, and I only had to travel like three miles. <laughs> um, we generally like to start the show with special guests by learning a little about the guests. So before we get into the program, why don't you just tell us you know, a little about you and your career path and how you landed where you are with the AARP? Sure. Uh, <clears throat> I spent uh, basically... 30 years, 32 years of my life in public education. I was a social studies high school teacher uh, for 20 plus years. Decided to go the route of being an administrator. Uh, worked my way up through assistant principal, principal, and then uh, became a uh, central office figure as a curriculum director and assessment director. And I did that for about five years in uh, Keene, New Hampshire, uh, worked with seven school districts, and discovered that I really didn't like what I was doing. Um, and <laughs> Administration is not for everyone. No, it's not for everyone, and when uh, you spend three nights a week going to school board or school board committee meetings and um, not receiving a pleasant reception when you tell people, Gee, you know, your test scores for your students are not where they should be. Um, you end up being the subject of uh, a lot of negative comments. So Got it. I, I left that, uh, took, took my uh, retirement time, and uh, that lasted all of about six months. Uh, you didn't like being retired? 
Well, I had, you know, the first six months were great. And then after that, it was a pretty boring life. Can I have you talk to a couple of our captains who are leaving us in the next couple of months? <laughs> well, I had to find something to fill my time. And I uh, actually started volunteering just around the community and then uh, went to an AARP driver safety class okay. and got hooked on that. I said, well, you know, they need teachers. I spent a lot of my life teaching. So I did that for five years and became a bit unhappy with uh, what I was doing, mainly because it was a, a top-down directed program that um, wasn't what fit my style at all. I was approached by AARP Vermont to take on their Fraud Watch program. I thought they said Frog Watch, <laughs> which didn't really interest me a heck of a lot. Um, they explained it, and uh, I said, well, you know, I don't know anything about fraud. Okay. So they said, well, you'll learn. And and basically I did, and I became more interested when my wife's identity was stolen. Got it. All right, so real quick, before we get into fraud and identity theft, you, you mentioned the states of New Hampshire, where you were an administrator, and Vermont. Are you originally from New Hampshire? No, I was born and raised and went to college and high school in Vermont. Okay. So how, what took you over to New Hampshire? Uh, living in Brattleboro, you don't really recognize borders. Got it. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sort of. I was certified uh, for school administration in New York, Vermont, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and uh, the job came open. Okay. It was a 20 mile commute, basically, so it wasn't that bad, and. Uh, that's what took me to New Hampshire. And I, by the way, I also spent about seven years in education in Maine. Oh, okay. So. Awesome. All right. So then you found yourself with the AARP in the Fraud Watch program. Right. And so, and you said before I interrupted you that this was because your wife's identity was stolen. Well, I actually joined it before. Okay. But then when that happened, it, it kind of turned me in that direction even more. Uh, it was a situation where she received a letter from a local bank saying that there was a problem with her account. Problem is she didn't have an account with the bank. Aha. And then when she didn't respond, they sent a second letter. And she brought it down to the bank. And one of the officers at the branch showed her an online application that was filed by her, supposedly. All the information was correct, except her birth date wasn't one digit was off. Okay. So did she suffer financial losses as a result of that? No, but it created a major headache because we knew that her social security number had been compromised. And it meant going through and putting on extra security with everything. Um, and getting credit freezes, which I recommend to everybody constantly. Uh, so there, you know, there are things you can do, but it means watching forever. So before we get into some of the specifics, tell us a little bit about the AARP's Fraud Watch program. The program's been around for roughly 10 years. It's existing in different levels of intensity uh, in every state in the country, as well as American territories such as Puerto Rico, Virgin Islands, and Guam. 
The program is dedicated to education. We try to bring a message to people about what the scams are that are going around, what they can do to protect themselves from becoming a victim of the scam, and where they can get additional information if they're interested. And as a side issue, uh, for many of us who are, let's say, uh, not older seniors, but kind of younger seniors, or, or folks uh, a little below being senior, uh, we try and get the message out that you need to be watchful and the second set of eyes for your parents and your relatives who are older. I'm not going to get any details on the show today, but um, a, a couple of months ago, I had to have a sit-down meeting with my in-laws because they shared with me that a family member on that side of the family had uh, been engaged in a protracted correspondence with somebody who basically said, you know, you won this kind of money and I'm going to come bring you this check and... I just like listen you know I love you guys and I love her but this is a scam there's no way that this kind of information would be transmitted by a stranger via phone and the fact that she's continuing to engage with this person is just exposing her to increased risk and they didn't want to hear it and she didn't want to hear it okay <laughs> and, and sometimes what you have to do is move that conversation away from member of the family, family to somebody who's trusted, an attorney, a clergyman, uh, so that they may have a less of a passionate situation because the more passionate you get, the more emotional, the less people listen to you. So that dispassionate, uh, straightforward talk can be the better approach. I wish I had talked to you before the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of that. And, you know, the sad part to me is that I'm seeing more of it in Berkshire County than any other area that I'm dealing with. So I want to hear a lot about that. But what is your area of coverage? Uh, typically, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be doing Vermont. It's Vermont, AARP Vermont. Uh, but there are areas that are what I would call underserved by AARP in specific states like Massachusetts, where Western Massachusetts doesn't get as much attention as Eastern Massachusetts. For uh, anything. <laughs> and Western Connecticut, uh, Western New Hampshire, the same thing. Uh, you know, New Hampshire is, in Vermont we like to say, you know, that if anything is outside the Burlington or Chittenden County area and Washington County, which is where the state capital is, it's not part of Vermont as far as they're concerned. Well, you know, here it's Boston area, yep. and in New Hampshire, it's the southeastern corner of New Hampshire. So we've kind of bridged over with what we do as AARP Vermont Fraud Watch into doing programs, let's say, at Dartmouth-Hitchcock Hospital. I've bridged into Berkshire County uh, because it, it's been an underserved area. Well, we appreciate that. So I just, you know, if for our viewers and listeners at home, you know, I, I just mentioned recently a family member dealing with this. Uh, and as recent as yesterday, 
and anybody can be a victim. So the good news is I got an email yesterday from our finance department, and the email is pretty terse. It's like, which one of you, you know, I'm not going to say what they, they called us, um, which one of you has this credit card? And it was the department's credit card. And we just got a call from Fraud Watch on the credit card, so that's good, right? There was a fraud on the credit, Fraud Watch on the credit card, and it wasn't fraud, right? We uh, we were attempting to purchase some equipment for patrol, and ironically, the company we were trying to purchase it from is in Canada, and so tra- transnational transaction on the department credit card that immediately flagged it. Okay, fine, they did their job, but when I reported to our in-house finance person that you know they were going to get an email about this fraud flag. They were like, oh, yeah, you know, that just happened to my, I think they said their in-law, um, you know, just, just had their credit card uh, essentially stolen, uh, 11 transactions over an overnight period. And this is somebody who's one, one point removed from a member of the department, right, the, possibly the most protected people in our community. Um, and it can happen to anyone. So it's important that anybody pay everybody pay attention to this because as you said before identity theft even if you don't suffer a financial loss in the instant the it's it's expensive as as far as resources and time to recover from that the, you know there are some major misperceptions or myths out there uh one of them for instance is that the ideal target for a scam is a female in her 80s, maybe 70s, uh, and living alone and on a hillside in Berkshire County. Uh, <laughs> but you know, the reality of fraud is that's not the prime target because uh, you know, as we hear all the time, you know, follow the money. Mm-hmm. Well. If you're going to follow the money, then the prime target becomes male between the ages of about 45 and 65. Damn. Okay. (laughs) Uh, College educated. Consider those things, and you've identified where the wealth and power in the country is. If I'm going to try and commit fraud... I've got a better target than a little old lady living on a hillside in Berkshire County. With a fixed income. With a right, fixed, yeah. yeah. You, want, now, you, you want to go where they're... It doesn't this. exempt them. Right. Because they're still targeted, um, actually because they have a regular income, Social Security, maybe a retirement plan of some sort, probably own their home so they have good credit. Um, that makes you a target. But... The, the other thing that, you know, the statistics tell us from the FBI and from Federal Trade Commission, which monitors scams, uh, is that the prime age is 25 to 45. They get hit more often, not for as much money, but they get hit more often than any other age group. Well, I mean, I would imagine, and please correct me if I'm wrong, particularly in this day and age, that's a that's a demographic that's going to do more um, like debit-based transactions and more online transactions, and there's more exposure. A lot more exposure because they're more into social media, which is uh, probably the biggest culprit as far as being uh, porous for getting data. Got it. All right. So in your uh, conversations with Lieutenant Hill, you said that you wanted to talk a little bit about the psychology 
behind these types of scams. So before we go to our station break, why don't we spend a few minutes talking about that, and then after the break, we'll get into some of the specific scams. Okay. Um, <clears throat> most people consider uh, you know, a scam the guy who calls them with a foreign accent and says, uh, this is the IRS calling you. And that's a, a pretty amateurish uh, thing, and I don't think that... There can't be a lot of people who get pulled in by that, but there have to be some because they keep doing, doing it. Uh, but the, the the mentality and psychology behind this, as far as the 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 criminal is concerned, is to put out something that's going to be attractive to the victim and get them emotional. Emotion is the critical piece. They call it putting you under the ether. Okay. And once you get in that condition, you're less reasonable in your thought pattern, more geared by your gut than your brain, and you tend to make a lot of mistakes or you tend to get excited. So if I'm going to get excited, what will excite me? Well, fear. If you can scare me with a COVID scam, that could work. What if I dangle money in front of you? Will you reach for it? The brass ring on the merry-go-round. Uh, and it doesn't have to be a lot. You know, they, they used to send out these letters, and I think they still do. You know, I've got $7 million to share with you. Complete stranger's going to give you $7 million. Come on. The foreign prince scam. Yeah. 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 All right, I have this Jamaican, money. Jamaican lottery yeah. scam. You've won. I have this money, but I need this much money to get it. <laughs> but most of us aren't going to go for that. So... The the idea of winning a $50 gift card for only answering a few questions on a survey uh, of $500. Now, that's the type of thing that more people will fall for because it's more in their rationale. 500 that's pretty good. It, but it, all of that, but it's... So it's playing off of a legitimate practice, right? So I, I'm I'm... As I've said on the program in the past, I'm doing a little academic work right now, and I had to just go through this research methodologies class. And one of the things in research methodology, it's not uncommon for somebody who's doing a legitimate study to say, you know, participants in the study will receive a $25 Amazon card or a $50. You got to you incentivize it so you have a large study pool. Right. So for somebody who knows that that is a legitimate practice in academia, it's not a far cry to say, you know, we're interested in our window company. Answer these you know, 15-minute survey and receive a $50 gift card and you click the link and boom. Yeah, and, and typically these <clears throat> things will show up with, you know, as an email. Uh, and if you check the origin of the email, it comes with from somebody with a Gmail account, not, you know, uh, one of the big companies, AT&T <clears throat> or, you know, your local cable company. So uh, that's a clue that you have to look for. And it, it's it's a cold call approach uh, that doesn't mention any uh, scientific survey or anything. It just says, we have a 30-second survey, <clears throat> and it shows, let's say, Home Depot, a right. picture of a Home Depot store, and that lures you in. Our IT department is annoyingly religious about testing us on these types of phishing or, um, what's the other, malware scams? And I've turned it back on them. Anytime I get an email that's remotely suspicious, I just forward it to the help desk and say, I'm not opening this until you check it. I do it a couple times a week. Well, 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 th 
I, you know, if if I was only getting it a couple times a week, I'd be happy. Yeah. But I set up email addresses to purposely lure those. So I get, on average, 400 emails a day. This is the fraud watch equivalent of to catch a predator. This is awesome. And, uh, you know, I sort through them, and some of them are just junk, but I can zero in on which ones are the scams, and then uh, I report them. Uh, Who do you report them to? Well, typically, I find uh, if it has a link to a website, uh, the company that's hosting the website. Okay. So, for instance, if it's a Wix or GoDaddy developed thing, yeah, I'm looking at something that says in our area it's Comcast. It says Comcast, uh, and they want me to do something, and the uh, URL, the address line, doesn't have Comcast in it, it or it says um, Wix.com or GoDaddy.com. Bingo, scam time, and that's when I contact Wix or GoDaddy or whatever the host company is for that website to shut it down. I don't want to belabor this, but this is useful, and you know, thank you for sharing that because, and for our viewers and listeners at home, I don't want you to, I don't want to discourage you, but if you haven't suffered a financial loss, we'll take the report, but we're not going to do anything beyond take the report. Receiving the scam email is an attempt to lure you into a crime, but it's not an actual crime. So if you need the incident number for insurance purposes or something, we'll file the report, or you can file the report with us online. But these are the types of things that need to be reported to private entities, or as you said earlier, if it's organized, the FTC. Uh, it's not within our jurisdiction to investigate the people who are sending the emails. Yeah. And I think a lot of people <coughs> misunderstand that because they get the, the garbage yeah. and they don't understand that it's not within your jurisdiction. Because right. the crime is actually occurring where the where it originated, not where it was received. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, again, you know, we, we receive a lot of reports about this on a constant basis. And I think people are surprised and we're like, okay, you know, if you need a number, we'll give you the number. But that's all we're doing is taking the report and assigning a number because it's not it's not ours to investigate. Yeah. All right. We have a couple minutes left before we have to take a station break. Um, one of the things, so I, I mentioned the situation with uh, my my in-law relative, and she's outside of the the key demographic that you described. She she is an elderly female, retired female, uh, but sometimes it's just playing on loneliness, right? The the hook in this case wasn't necessarily any financial incentive. It was the persistent phone calls. It was the contact, and by the time her family intervened, it was daily. Yeah, uh, uh, one thing many people don't understand in this process is that the sophisticated criminal in committing these scams, uh, it's not a one-shot, one-day deal. Uh, in particular with things, and we'll talk about it a little later, romance scamming. Uh, the romance scam can take upwards of six months to a year before the trigger is pulled. Uh, the person that's trying to get to you is not going to be calling you and creating a relationship today. They'll create a relationship over so six over months. Over time. It's grooming behavior. Yeah. Um, so 
this is just so fascinating. We, we're going to have so much to talk uh, about. Just, just to add to that, well, you know, one other thing that that people don't realize is the guy or gal who's calling you. It's not personal. No, you know, you're probably we, one of 500 people yeah, that's calling we a day. Take, right? You know, we take it personally when it comes at us. Right. The reality is that person puts down the phone or stops typing, and they pull up another the address. The next person, right? They're yeah. just on to the so next So it's time. a job. It keeps going yeah. on and on. All right. So we're just about at time for our station break. So let's uh, get another check of the weather and some PSAs, and then we'll come back and continue our conversation with Mr. Greenblatt about fraud and scams and uh, how to avoid being a victim. Here is the WTBR (laughs) forecast from BerkshireWeather.com for Friday, March 11th. Greetings! Today, mostly cloudy with a high of 47. Tonight, cloudy, a low of 34 with rain or snow late. Tomorrow, cloudy and windy, a high of 37 with rain and snow. That's your latest WTBR forecast. For more weather forecasts and education, go to BerkshireWeather.com. I'm Jacob Klein for WTBR, and I hope you all have an amazing day. Cheers, everyone! Support for WTBR comes from Shire Brewhouse at the Stationery Factory in Dalton, offering music bingo on Tuesdays, trivia on Wednesdays, live comedy or music on Thursdays, and karaoke on Fridays. Find their menu online at shire.beer, located at 19 Flansburg Ave in Dalton, and from KB Accounting. Having a hard time filling that bookkeeping position? Are you just looking for more transparency from your bookkeeper? Maybe you're so busy you find yourself falling behind on your billing and payments. KB Accounting can help with all that. Online at kbaccountingpittsfield.com or call 464-0245. Hi, this is Officer Darren Derby with the Pittsfield Police Department. Better weather is around the corner. Expect an increase in the number of pedestrians on walkways, cyclists sharing our roads, and kids playing outside. It is imperative we all pay better attention while driving, walking, running, and cycling. So we need to do our part in keeping everyone safe by adhering to the rules of the road. Wear bright clothing if you are walking or running. If you are driving, please slow down and don't drive while distracted. Pay attention. Let's keep each other safe. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Hello, my name is Sergeant Mark Madalena with the Pittsfield Police Department. As you know, decisions we make every day can affect us for the rest of our lives. What you may not realize is that you are 23% more likely to be involved in a collision while you are texting and driving. That means texting and driving makes you 23 times more likely to cause a crash. Every day in the United States, 9 people are killed and more than 1,000 are injured as a result of a crash caused by a distracted driver. Remember, put down the phone and arrive alive. Don't text and drive. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Good morning. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television, and just so Officer Derby won't scold me when I get back to the station, now available on all of your popular podcast platforms. If you're just (laughs) joining us, uh, we are in studio this morning. Uh, I am joined in studio. I'm sorry. My name is Mike Wynn. I'm the chief of police here in the city of Pittsfield. I'm joined in studio by Lieutenant Hill, who's running the soundboard. 
Captain Traversa, who's overseeing and supervising all things, and Mr. Elliot Green. <laughs> I knew I was going to mess it up. Greenblatt from the AARP Fraud Watch. Uh, Mr. Greenblatt is actually headquartered in Vermont. He drove in this morning to join us, and he has explained before our station break that he has taken it upon himself to expand his coverage area to include Berkshire County and parts of New Hampshire, um, because like the Commonwealth, those two states are uh, underserved by their capitals, and so um, we're out here outside of the Massachusetts ARP catchment area. Um, so we appreciate that. We appreciate you keeping an eye on us. Uh, how you took it upon yourself to expand into the Berkshire County area? How did you start writing the column for the Berkshire Eagle? Well, I didn't intend to write for the Eagle. <laughs> I intended to write for the Brattleboro Reformer, uh-huh. and at the time, the Reformer was part of the newspaper group, uh, New England News Group, and uh, they were undergoing a lot of change, and the local editor said, well, I really can't do anything, but there's this guy uh, in Pittsfield uh, named Kevin Moran, and uh, he handles the editorial situation for all our newspapers and why don't you contact him so i contacted kevin and in the conversation kevin said well do you would you be interested in doing our other papers too and i said yeah i mean there isn't that much more work to it really you write the column and send it out and then i found out yeah there is because i have to customize it for different papers but uh, i've been Writing for roughly seven years. It's a weekly column? It's a bi-weekly. Bi-weekly column, okay. I didn't want to commit to doing this like a job. I get it. (laughs) I get it. Yeah. There's something about the difference between committing to doing something every week and doing something every other week that is a huge, like, load off your shoulders. It's it's not comparable, but I I write a blog about um, some of my professional reading, and I started doing it weekly. I was like, I can't. We can't do it. So bi-weekly is better. All right. So we've been talking about the psychology and um, some of the hooks, kind of the grooming behavior. But let's talk about some of the specific scams that you're aware of, particularly that are targeting people in, in you know Vermont and Western Massachusetts and Western New Hampshire. Well, one of the, um, probably the prime scam that I'm seeing in Western Mass is what we call catfishing. Uh, Catfishing is just a uh, generic term for romance scams. And these are uh, probably one of the more sophisticated approaches to committing a scam. Uh, They take anywhere from six months to a year before the uh, criminal pulls the trigger on it. And, you know, I'm very specific when I I mention who's doing this. It's a criminal. Right. I'm not going to soft pedal, you know, the bad guys in this case because, uh, you know, you can say scammer. It doesn't sound that terrible. So when I write my column, I usually will say not scammer, or I'll say scammer, but I will always say it multiple times, criminal. Uh, they're, they're very sophisticated people, and they um, are underestimated in terms of how intelligent they are and how hard they're willing to work. But if they feel they have somebody that they've uh, 
begun to develop a relationship with. The, uh, the process will, as I said, take probably six months. It's a matter of collecting information. Uh, every time there's a conversation, the victim will end up giving up a little bit more, more about themselves. Medical conditions, family situation, and that becomes part of the playbook. So uh, the start point probably will happen on the computer. Uh, there are a few cases where we see uh, cold calls, but, but that's not the, the norm. Um, person uh, out of loneliness or you know, with, with COVID, definitely uh, a problem that we've seen coming up. Uh, these folks will uh, go into social media, go into dating websites, places where people basically hang out. Mm -hmm. And the <clears throat> victim goes there, the criminal goes there, and the criminal will start researching the people who are in that chat group or online. They'll create fake identities, use uh, stock photos of other people, or just you know grab something from the news and use that as their picture. And then create this long-term relationship. The next step is get the person off the social media platform or the dating site into a direct exchange via email. Once that has happened, now everything you do is being done in private, and it's only you, the victim, and the criminal. Right. So... Um I mentioned at the top of the hour about this conversation I had to have with my in-laws about the situation that was happening with their family member. And I'm, you know, hearing you describe this, I'm confident this is exactly what is happening to this, this relative. And before you introduced the term catfishing, you said romance scam. And I think it's important that, you know, I think romance scam is, is a little misleading because it implies a purely romantic right this this scammer this criminal is reaching out because they want to be your boyfriend or girlfriend for the right victim it doesn't it it's just friendship it can just be friendship yeah. it can just be in, in the situation that was described to me before the holidays it was simply a daily phone call what what the uh the criminals will do in some situations is that if they're targeting a specific geographic area they will take a look at the obituaries and then if the uh, person leaves a widow or a widower that becomes part of the target group and they'll see what that person's pattern is uh, time is on the side of the bad guys of course and you know they have as much time as they want but you know the the telltale sign is after a period of time almost every case of catfishing the criminal will say, you know, I'd love to come and meet you, but I have this problem. My car broke down. I need a small amount of dollars. Yeah. And so it starts with a little, and then it builds. And the typical loss by a senior has been around $10,000. When... When I get the recording of this program from the crew out here today and we put it up on our podcast platforms, I'm going to send the link to my in-laws because this, you are describing exactly what they described to me. Okay. You know, it, it's, it's very sinister. 
And I never thought of this as being that big an issue. Right. But in 2018, the, I've got it right in front of me, uh, 143 million, okay, in the year. In 2020, it was up to 200 and, uh, sorry, it was uh, 2019, was uh, 201 million dollars. Wow. In 2020, first year of the pandemic, 304 million dollars. In 2021, first nine months, 342 million dollars. And back to something that you said before we went to the station break, or I think you, we, you said it at when we were uh, off air. You know, if you're the recipient, if you're the target of one of these crimes, you're engaging in this protracted grooming relationship with this person who is making you feel special, and and you think they're the only you're the only person they're paying attention to on this frequent basis. So it's a weekly phone call with you, and maybe that phone call is thirty minutes. But if they're working 12 hours a day, they're talking to 24 people a day, seven days a week. This is their job, right? Uh, and so as soon as they hang up the phone or get off the computer with you, they're on to the next person. And they're making them feel just as special as they made you feel um, until it's time, as you said, to pull the trigger. And, you know, what happens is, uh, you know, somebody becomes a victim. And then I get contacted and they'll say... Quite often, uh, why is this person doing this? Why can't they do something that's productive? They're obviously very smart. It is productive. Okay. They're getting and, rich. Yeah, and what, what I say <laughs> is, you know, if you're talking about career change, you've got to have a motivation to change your career. Right. And having talked to some of these criminals, you know, th they will tell you there isn't a motivation to change. They're making a lot of money and it's yeah. tax free. What's you know <laughs> exactly, uh, you know, and the, their day is like any other person's work day. They go to work, they do their job, they go home, they may go to a kid their kid's basketball game or something like that. In the morning, they go back to work again. It's a normal life as far as they're concerned. And and they wouldn't be doing it if they weren't making a good living at it. Yeah, right. and the, and the good living is in the hundreds of thousands a week. That's crazy. It's crazy. And, so, and obviously, it's increased. With oh, the pandemic. The pandemic. They're all commuting or telecommuting. Yeah, they're all tele. <laughs> they're they're telecommuting, but also the the victim pool is a lot larger. Right. Because the number of People who never worked with computers, who went to computers because of the pandemic, pandemic. Uh, they don't know anything about the technology. Right. And as a result, you know, the only, what do you do? Well, I do, uh, I do Facebook. I do, and that's a yep. danger spot. Uh, I have three groups I communicate with. I check the weather and I check the news in my emails. And in, in listening to you describe this and thinking about the conversation I had with my relatives before the holidays, I don't, I, I'm almost certain, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm almost certain that Facebook was probably the exposure for this particular person. Um, you know, Again, they're, they're, why are they on Facebook? They're on Facebook because they want to see photos of their grandkids, and they want to keep up with their nieces and nephews, and, and they want to you know, see photos of the parties, 
but they're exposed, right? Yeah. Depending on your security settings on Facebook, anybody can see your activity. I, um, I, I've been able to break into people's Facebook accounts within a few minutes, and it's not that difficult. Uh, I refer to it as being a very porous site in yeah. that there are holes that you can yeah. cl climb through. And people are indiscriminate in what they post. Uh, it's like taking, remember the, in the good old days, we used to get these family letters from people, you know, and it was right around the holidays. Yeah, four pages yeah. long and everything that happened. In the, that's what Facebook is. And people put everything including full photo full frontal photos online and it's just bizarre and so one of the things you said about these criminals particularly the catfishing scammers is that they'll um they'll build fake profiles they'll they'll take a photo from somebody else and i don't want to out this person but i have a friend kind of a local celebrity and um their their business is internet based and their marketing plan is social media driven. They, they spend a lot of time on um, Facebook and Instagram and, and TikTok. And that's, that's how they operate their business. But as a result of that, they're incredibly exposed and incredibly vulnerable. And I bet a week doesn't go by that I don't get a, you know, a, a tag post from this person displaying another profile that's clearly this person. Like, I, I know this person. This is their photo. I've seen the photo in the original post with a different name, uh, taking credit for some of their work. And in every case, it's like, you know, um, you know, millionaire philanthropist or something like that. You can tell that the person who created the fake profile is setting it up to use this to initiate one of these, uh, yeah. these scams. And, you know, it's relatively easy to do. Um, you know, with with an, a typical computer, it doesn't have to be a supercomputer. Uh, you can do screenshots. You can yep. uh, manipulate websites, uh, and you know, a little knowledge of computer programming, and the world is open to you. It. I mean, you don't even need to know programming or coding. You just need to be adept at manipulating these platforms, right? Yeah. Um, and and the technology makes it so easy, right? This has nothing to do with our topic today, but I was Well, it, it does because, you know, the ability to do that means you can take a legitimate website, yep. manipulate it, and then uh, redirect where people yep. input things like IDs and passwords. Right. So I was, um, the, the, these gentlemen both know, I spent a significant part of my day, my day yesterday trying to finish a report that I have to get ready uh, regarding one of our new innovations. And when I sat down yesterday to start the process of finalizing that report, I was stressing out because I thought I was going to have to recreate, um, I thought I was going to have to recreate an Excel spreadsheet basically to get the charts and the graphs I wanted. And and within a and I, you know I'm self-taught on most of this stuff. Within a couple seconds, I was able to realize that within the survey tool that we had utilized, it, they had already embedded the technology to clip the tables and figures that I needed. It, it, they built it into the platform, yeah. so I didn't have to go do any work because they had given me the ability to take the work 
within their system and use it somewhere else. And you know, if they'll do it in a survey platform, they'll certainly do it in a social media yeah. platform. Uh, it's well, just it's just a right click button you know, away. People people see these emails that come in and their surveys yeah. and you know, the the fifty dollar lure, which ends up being a magazine subscription, but. Um, all you have to do is answer 30 seconds of questions. In those 30 seconds, you're giving somebody a lot of information about you. You. Yeah. And that's not being lost. That's being saved, collected. You know, uh, the data brokers are out there. And they make well, a good living collecting your information. Well, I mean, th so that's a that's an interesting kind of observation because so far we've been talking about lone actors right we've been talking about people that this is their job that that's only one element of it this is also impacted by organized crime oh. there are there are information gathering factories uh, that this is all they're designed to do is essentially build an intelligence profile on you uh, some of them are controlled by state actors right some of them are controlled by en enemies of our nation and people are voluntarily Giving up information. Yeah. And it all seems very innocent. And when somebody asks you things like, uh, what TV show do you watch? Or, you know, what's your favorite uh, color? That stuff seems you know, totally innocent, but put together with other things about you. Right. It's deadly. It, you know, it, it seems innocent in the moment until you realize that that's the same question you picked as your security question for your online banking account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. There's a so one of the things um, I have I have a friend, it, you know, it, he's re recently retired from law enforcement, and this is kind of a, a distant stretch, but he spent most of the end of his career uh, working for a federal agency in um, internet child child internet crimes, um, innocent images, basically. You know, he, tr he tracked predators around the world. And every once in a while, he would put something up on a Facebook post, and it would be one of those, you know, the stupid Facebook quizzes, right? You know, take this quiz, tell your personality. And he would put up this post, and it would be like, you know, answer this question, answer this question, answer this question. And in seven questions, you had basically given the passwords and the security questions for a credit card. And, you know, they're just, they're building, it's, it's human engineering, right? They build these quizzes because they know what the security profiles are for the financial site, so they'll write a quiz that will extract the same information that you voluntarily gave up uh, to allegedly secure your profiles. This is fascinating stuff. <laughs> um, so we, we talked a little bit, when I mean, you talked about the motivations of the criminals, um, but you know, for some of it, it's just, it, it's the boldness, right? And so we've spent most of our conversation today talking about online and internet scams, but they were predated by phone scams. And I think I've told this story on the program before. Uh, when I still had a landline phone, so, you know, this was a while ago, I took a call at home in the afternoon one day from a person purporting to represent a, uh, a law enforcement organization, like a, a law enforcement nonprofit organization. And I wasn't familiar with the organization, so I was like, you know, I'm not really interested. They're like, well, you know, we directly support the Pittsfield Police Department. So, no, you don't. 
Yes, we do. You know, we contributed this much money, blah, blah. I was like, no, you didn't. Yes, we did. I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure you didn't. Well, you know, we can show you. And I was like, well, you know, I'm the chief of the Pittsfield Police Department, and I developed the budget, and I receive all the revenue. So, no, you didn't. And even that didn't deter this person. They were like, well, you know, I'm sorry to argue, but yes, we did. I'm like, I just told you who you're talking to. Stop. And they were just, you know, they were going to continue their pitch. I had to hang up on them. Yeah. Um, you know, we see a lot of the imposter yeah. scams. We also see a lot of the fundraising scams. Uh, well, I won't call them scams. They're, they're legitimate fundraising. But, for instance, I get calls every year from the New England Police Chiefs Association. And they're raising money to purchase uh, bulletproof vests for canines. And I will go, really? Yeah. Well, I happen to call a friend of mine who is a, a uh, county sheriff in Vermont. And he said, oh, yeah, they do that. So the, the key when you get one of those is to ask two questions. Question one is, are you a professional fundraiser? Right. Okay. And by law, they, they, have have to tell to, you. they have to tell you. The second question is, how much of the money that you raise is given to the organization that you're raising it for? Right. And in that case, the amount was 16%. Yeah, and that's a great point. And, you know, this this has actually been something that has been, uh, I don't say controversial, but difficult even for us internally because our own police unions uh, conduct fundraising. And they sometimes use a fundraising organization to assist them with that but people will you know i'm sorry matt <laughs> but at one point i had to call the union presidents in and say you either need to get rid of this company or you need to give them a script because they were just rude right and so they would make the call and they would say they were claiming a calling on behalf of the association or the unions which they were but then they would like you know, strong arm the people, and it didn't paint us in a very good light. Yeah. Like you can't engage with these people who are going to misrepresent the agency. Yeah. So. Well, years back, they actually uh, a union uh, police officer would sit there in the room yeah. with them to make sure they weren't making any false promises. Yeah. And then the other thing that so we stopped this practice. The other thing they would do is like, well, if you're not going to be home, just leave the you know cash on, or the em the check in the envelope on the door. And be like, no, we're the police department. Don't tell people to make themselves a victim. Stop that. So, yeah, you know the uh, I, there's some real clear things you can do to prevent yourself from being victimized. Absolutely. And, you know, number one is don't make instant decisions. You know, with, if somebody calls you for a donation, we're seeing a lot of charity scams right now, tell them to send you a pledge card. If they say, I need the money now, hang up. Uh, you know, that's your number one defense. It's called moving your wrist to put the receiver down. When that happens, you know, you've ended that conversation. End the conversation and do a little research, right? So you yeah. just you know mentioned a, a call from somebody purporting to be from the New England Chiefs of Police Association, right? And I, I, I don't believe that's an actual organization, right? There is an organization, NEACOP, the New England Association of Chiefs of Police, but just reordering those words right. for somebody who doesn't know that that would be a lure right so stop go go google the name of the organization they gave you and see if it comes back as a legitimate 
a hit or if you get a flag from the Better Business Bureau saying, you know, this, this right. organization has been flagged. You know, and, and, you know, if you get that email, check the sender's address. Yes. If you're looking at a website, make sure, you know, if it says it's from Comcast, if it doesn't say Comcast.com, right. it's not it's from probably Comcast. Probably not, right? <laughs> Mike Stebbin would be so happy to hear this, right? Look for the spelling errors in the email address. Yeah. Uh, I get, on average, 8 to 10 uh, notices of my McAfee being exp uh, on expiration. I don't have McAfee. And the spelling of McAfee comes up. Varies some, all the yeah, time. You could almost not tell it's McAfee. That's uh, hilarious. All right, so we only have a couple minutes left. In, in the few minutes we have left, what else do you want our viewers and listeners to know about the AARP Fraud Watch or what they should be aware of? Well, I think, you know, there, there are a couple things you can do. I always urge people to get alerts because AARP's Fraud Watch issues regular alerts on what's current, and they can go to the website aarp.org slash fraud and then register on that website. The website also has probably descriptions of over 80 different types of scams. So I think that's an, that's an important thing. Secondly, report. Don't sit back and, you know, if you lose money, uh, a lot of people don't report. That's Underreported fraud is probably the, the biggest care area that we can't deal with. If you report it, at least there's a chance of something happening. And you can go to ftc.gov and report it there or the FBI site uh, if it's an Internet crime. IC3, the letter IC3, number three, three, dot gov. gov. And those are probably better than, sorry, calling uh, Pittsfield Police it's, it's probably It's not probably better. It's definitely better because it will get into the hands of the people who can actually gather that intelligence and do something with it, even if you haven't suffered a loss. Yeah. The other thing is, you know, people who, um, I, as we've said, you know, I have my column. Uh, I always put my email address there. And if people have questions or they have a specific uh, scam that they want to ask me about, um, it's E Greenblatt spelled out. That's E G R E E N B L O T T at AARP.org. Awesome. This has been fascinating, and we are definitely going to have to have you back. I promise when we have you back in the future, we'll remote you in so you don't have to commute three hours round trip. Uh, we have that capability now, but I do appreciate you taking the time to come in and sit with us this morning. For our viewers and listeners at home, you've been listening to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. Tune in next week for another new episode. Who's with us, Lieutenant? It's all right. <laughs> I don't have We're my notes. It's okay. We're out of time. Next week, it's going to be uh, Director of Public Health, Andy Camby. And until then, be well, be healthy, but most importantly, be kind. We're 10-8.